Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It is a Monday, January 3rd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers will be back tomorrow night for what I am deeming a critically important hockey game against the Anaheim Ducks. How can you're playing Anaheim? It's not even a division game or a conference game. Why is it so important? Oh, I think it's just incredibly important to bounce back and not lose too straight, come home feeling good about the road trip as opposed to, eh, you want to feel really good coming home to play six of eight against the Penguins, the San Jose Sharks, and Carolina before going into Boston for one game on January 13th, then coming back home, taking on the Rangers, going on the road, take on the Islanders, and then Detroit and Columbus. Six out of the next eight games will be at Wells Fargo. Critical point of the season, that begins tomorrow night against Anaheim to end this road trip, this West Coast road trip, Disney on ice trip that they've struggled so many times on to come back with it being a successful road trip, I think is critically important. Let's get to our weekly visit with the man. You read his work on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer for his weekly visit, and he joins us right now on Flyers Daily. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about you, Jason? I'm doing good. 13 winter classics have taken place, and it got me thinking because I see all these memories coming up on my Facebook page from 2010 at Fenway Park, 2012. There's been other outdoor games, Flyers 0-2 in winter classics, but what would you think of the winter classic this year? Oh, it's, I mean, I, you know, there, there's always something special about it, especially when it's, it's played in those frigid conditions, you know, um, you, know, you, you can even go back to the first one with the, the snow and, you know, the, the shootout and all that. I mean, that, that one set the bar really, really high. Um, you know, there's something to also be said, uh, you know, when, when you have the personal rooting interest in a game, I think you watch a little differently. Yeah. Um, you know, when it's, uh, when you can enjoy all the spectacle and, and, and the, uh, you know, the drama of the game itself without a immediate rooting interest in it. I, I think that that, that in some ways adds something to it, but, uh, you know, and, and when the, when there is drama and emotion, it kind of carries itself. So that was cool. And, and there was a nice late run in the game too, to make it interesting as well. I'm uh, pretty high scoring actually for, you know, compared to most winter classics. Um, I thought Brian Boucher actually had some interesting comments from a, from a goalie's perspective as to, you know, when it's, when it's that cold out, you know, the, the puck is harder, it stings more, it's harder to, you know. I mean, we saw that all a little bit in Lake, Lake Tahoe last year, too, where neither neither team's goalie could track the puck at all in that game. Yeah. So uh, and I think Rask said afterwards, you know, he was just lucky he didn't see more shots. So it's, uh, you know, so it, it presents a whole bunch of special challenges. Um, so, I mean, I, I always enjoy the Winter Classic. Yeah, it's got the, the spatial awareness of being out there. And, yeah, that's where, you know, so many kids grew up playing on the ponds and outdoors, yeah. but they weren't playing, you know, serious games outside. <laughs> yeah, your serious games were reserved for indoors. And even the Flyers are 0-2. Blackhawks have appeared four times, and they're 0-4. They, they, they may not want another winter classic. Um Fenway Park was so cool, though, uh, yeah. back in 2010 for the Flyers. And that first one you alluded to at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo was just bone-chilling cold. And, of course, Crosby shined in that one as well. Bill, let's talk about the team, though. I want to talk about what's going on in this road trip. I want to talk about some individual players. But first of all, I want to get your kind of thoughts on the game against the L.A. Kings. I got a tweet from a guy. I won't even put his name out there, but he said, what do you think that needs to be done for the next game? Because he said, because that was a complete embarrassment of a game against LA. 
Do you also think the Lemieux goal on Connaughton and Jones was the worst goal by far this season? And I couldn't agree with anything that he says. I, I totally disagree with him. I didn't think that that was an embarrassment of a game against the Kings. I thought the no. Flyers had some good push in the second period, and Jonathan Quick came up, made some really big saves. Yeah, the goal was ugly, the Lemieux one, but those things happen in hockey. I think that Jones kind of pulled that thing in line to go in in a way. But I didn't look at that game as an embarrassment game, did you? No, I didn't. I, I thought the Flyers, you know, a lot of times coaches will break it down in process. And I actually thought process-wise, it was the Flyers' best-played game of the three. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were things that certainly contributed to losing and deserving to lose. But I, I think the Flyers had quite a bit of push in the game. Um, this was a game where, where Quick really, really had to uh, stand his head a bunch of times. You know, I, he, he made some really, really tough saves. A couple on Farabee. I mean, Farabee had the one goal, but he could have had, could have had more than one. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that the Flyers did do some good things. And actually, leading up to that Lemieux goal, the Flyers had most of the momentum going. Yep. You know, that was a, I mean, it was just a that was, yeah, that was a poorly played sequence. I don't think it was the called the worst goal you've seen all season. It was it was a frustrating goal because it you know when everything whenever the puck goes in slow motion like that and the shooter loses control of it. But you, you see that sometimes, you know? Yeah. You see you see one end up trickle in like that. It's uh you know certainly it certainly is a frustrating thing when it happens, especially when you're you're pushing to tie the game at that point and then you know the uh the deficit grows from that point and then really you're behind the eight ball the rest of the night. But I mean I, I didn't think it was the the worst played game, but by the, by the same token, I, I think you look at the game and uh, you know, I, I think that there were some, there were some things that were concerning, you know, a couple of goals were scored from plays started out behind the net, like wraparound goal as one. Two goals, yeah. Yeah. And this, the second one is two. The, the, the second one was one where, you know, uh, I mean, Dino got the puck to the net and, and Provorov lost stick and body position on his man. So it ended up becoming a, Pretty easy goal. That one certainly wasn't on Jones. So there were, you know, there were some breakdowns there. There was the, the two on one that Connaughton really didn't play very well. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought, I thought all in all, I mean, going into the game, and the last thing I'll say about process, you know, funny how, funny how you can look at any anything on paper because going in, in terms of puck possession numbers and those kind of things, LA has actually been near the top of the league. I mean, they do put a lot of shots on goal and. But from a, a process standpoint, they have really good underlying numbers where the Flyers are near the bottom of the league. And the Flyers actually outshot them, you know, outchanced them in segments of the game. So, you know, going in, if you say we can do that, you have a pretty good chance if you can just get enough, you know, enough offense to scratch something out. But then flip side, you gave up six goals or a team that's struggling to score. So it's, uh, you know, so they're. I can't say the Flyers deserved to win that game, but I, I really thought that it was a—I thought it was an improved effort from the team overall compared to the previous games. If not for if not for Jones and Sandstrom, they probably have zero points, yeah. you know, through three games here. So I, I actually think in some ways, in some ways, it was better. I didn't—I didn't like the second game, and I didn't—I really thought the first game was not a very well played game either from the Flyers. So, yeah. you know, so I, I guess I guess you go by the result. Yeah, I, di I didn't like the first game either, to be honest with you. You know, the first two periods of that game in Seattle were pretty dreadful. Yeah. But in that second game, Felix Sandstrom gets the start, and he drags his team to, to get a point in that game, Bill, with 43 saves, uh, 43 or 44 saves, yeah. uh, a rookie debut record for the Flyers. And, boy, he looked good, Bill. I, I talked about this with Carter Hart back in the bubble when he had a win over 
the Montreal Canadiens. He had 32 saves on 32 shots, and I think it was game three. And I said it wasn't that part that impressed me. It was the fact that his, his resting heart rate never seemed to go over 70 beats per minute. Boy, I saw a really calm Felix Sandstrom in that hockey game. I saw him in overtime, Bill. Puck's coming through his crease, just eh, sticking him aside like it was like the game meant nothing. It's his first NHL start. I thought he was really impressive and very under control and didn't look overwhelmed at all. No. And I mean, like you said, under those, because he'd also been a while since he'd played. Yeah. Um, he had a he had a sinus issue that kept him out for a couple of weeks. Thankfully, it wasn't a COVID situation. It was something separate. But, you know, figure maybe a little bit rusty, a little bit nervous. Um, and he didn't he didn't seem nervous at all. I mean, you know, he's he's a very athletically talented goalie. Um, you know, you can't always you can't always go by numbers. I really think he's been a bright spot for the Phantoms this year. There was there was one game in Charlotte that really pulled his numbers down. I think seven goals against and twenty one shots, and he was pulled after two periods. Um, you know, even then, I, I'd say five of the seven weren't on him. But you know that that's gonna that's gonna really ding a goalie's save percentage numbers and those kind of things. And then the game or two, you know, they really were not on him, but just ugly numbers. So, but I, I think that he's you know he's healthy. He he's a talented goaltender. I mean. It's it's one start, but I, I think I think you can see why the Flyers have been high on him for a number of years, and and why he is a solid prospect. Now Carter Hart still is the present and is the future, yep. But he he's a very talented goal. And the other thing too, Jason, that I, that I took away as a positive from that second game, even though they ended up with only one point, you know, the the goal scorers in that game were Frost and Farabee. So that that was nice to see the young players step up in that game too. Yeah, let's talk about Farabee, Bill, because. He's on a heater again. And Joel Farabee, he just like the, the goalie scores against the Kings. I mean, he just he gets rid of that puck to Giroux and then just goes right to the right spot. He's a thinking man's player. He's a thinking man's scorer. Goes to the right places, yeah. goes right to the back door there, ends up getting the puck. He finds it before everybody else and he puts it into an open net past Jonathan Quick. Um, he, he I, I think we're just scratching the surface. 30 goals now in his last 80 games. Um, he's turned into a real good player. And if, if he finds consistency as he matures in his NHL career, he's going to be a real threat. Yeah. They, the, the comparison player in, in my eyes, you know, not necessarily physical attributes and, and whatnot, but just, just his hockey sense. And I, he reminds me of, he reminds me of Justin Williams quite a bit, you know, it <laughs> looks like, him too. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. But I mean, he, he got to the NHL pretty quickly because he's a smart player, you know, Skates well enough, not a not a speedster. Neither neither was Willie, for that matter. But I mean, you know, just 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 the play where, you know, I mean, he snuck in behind Drew Doughty, a guy who's who's been a Norris Trophy winner in the NHL, and uh, he's a, he goes, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just just tremendous anticipation there. And then in the same game, um, he took a, a pass on the tape and he went through I think two defenders and almost scored on that one too. Yeah, you know, that, that, that was that was a pure skill kind of play. So you know, I mean, it, it, it's. Uh, when he when he gets hot, he can certainly make he can certainly run with that for a while. I know one of one of his goals coming into this year, Joel said it himself, was that he didn't want to have those twelve and fourteen game stretches that were quiet in between. That's that's tough on young players sometimes to do that. Yeah. But I think I think that as he continues to mature, if he stays healthy, you know, you won't see those fourteen game droughts. Everybody's going to have their five and six game at some point in the season where you know, just pucks aren't going in. But I think as he continues to mature and develop, I think he's going to be, you know, a, a very, very good NHL player. And he's already one of the better young ones in the league. So that's that's you know that's been a positive last season and and this season when he's been 
you know, it's been going pretty well. Yeah, and he's a a great five on five player as well. Yep. He doesn't eat just on the power play or anything like that. And he gets it done at five on five, which is even more uh, impressive. Bill, let's talk about you know you look at this team and you look at that line with Giroux and Atkinson. They're all over the score sheet. I mean, geez, just yep. absolutely buzzing. But Travis Konechny is still stuck on ninety nine goals. He hasn't got one in a while. He's filling up with assists. Uh, but how important it is for him, just his mental part of it to get a goal here, get that hundredth goal and move forward and start with the puck in the net. It'll be a, it'll be a weight off of his shoulders when he gets it, even yeah. if it's an empty netter, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. I, I think it's what been 17 games without a goal. And, and before that he had like five or six between goals before that one. So it's a, it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of games, but uh, as you said, he's starting to get assists again. Um, you know, you, you, some of the penalties he's, he's taken lately, not great last game, last game, but uh, you know, you don't want to take any misconduct there in that situation where you're arguing a call, but you know, but that that's what happens when frustration sets in for a player, right? Sometimes sure. it, uh, sometimes it boils over. Um, I, I think in the games before that, you know, he was starting to get some chances. Um, usually you have games like that before something goes in for you, but I think, I think that'd be huge for his confidence to, to get that goal out of the way and, you know, go from there. I mean, we've seen, we've seen uh, what finally getting, getting off the Schneid did for Oscar Lindblom, right? Yeah. Oscar's actually, he's played quite well, actually, uh, overall lately, maybe a little, although he did create a, you know, create a power play, but maybe, maybe not his best game last game, but still, still some good moments, but, but you can see, you can see the confidence is back in his game. You know, it's uh, it, it does a lot for player psyche when he, uh, when he finally gets one after a long drought and, you know, it can carry James Van Riemsdyk too, who's, who's a classic streak scorer. He went on a little heater after he finally broke a drought. I think he had, you know, a couple. He's had a couple two goals games. So, you know, I I think that's the way it goes for most guys in the league. And, you know, guys like Ovechkin are, are the exception, yeah. who who rarely ever seem to have those those stretches where it just been feels like an eternity since they last scored. But uh, yeah, I think that that would do a lot for for TK. Um, you know, it, uh, I I think you see some some pieces falling together. You know, I, I think that uh, I like what I've seen from, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Lindblom. Actually, I, I like him on the line with Frost. I actually think yeah. I think they work well together because Lindblom is the guy who goes in and creates turnovers and wins board battles, and Frost is the playmaker. And if they could get they could get a couple here for TK if that line stays together, then I think that could be a good that could be a good third line. And uh, you know, uh, and with yeah, you know, hopefully with Lawton coming back because it sounds like he's going to be in lineup next game. Carter Hart, um, you know, they're they're still without Ellis. They're still trying to get Kevin Hayes back to form, but it can be, you know. But I mean, this is <laughs> this is capable of being a better team than it's played. You and I have said that so many times this season. Yeah. You know, we've seen it in bits and pieces. Like to actually, you know, not not just in getting getting some wins, but also in in the way the team plays and in creating an identity and a process that you can replicate. It hasn't happened so far, but I, I I've always thought the pieces are there to actually put together a nice stretch. It just you know has has to be done though, right? There was a signature moment that happened in the Kings game for Mikey O, I thought. And this could be something that propels the group because I, I know players, when a coach does what he did in pulling the goaltender on that man advantage, it's a balls move, first yeah. of all. And for it to, to, to work out, and players love it. Like players see something like that and they go, 
that's what we talk. We should, we need to do more of that. And when a coach does that and it works, it got them back in the game. No, they didn't win the game, but boy, that's how you get some buy-in from your players. And, and that's a, that's a big moment, I think for Mike Yo. Oh, sure. I mean, as you said, really ballsy to, to pull your goalie there and yeah. go in six on three. You hardly ever see a six on three anyway, but it, it, you know, especially, I don't, I've never seen one that early. The only time I've ever seen it yeah. is, real late in regulation and you know that, that was that was cool and then they they ran a set play and the set play worked yeah he's goes know, off the bench there. nobody knows he's there and he goes in and scores he goes right to the back door there and yeah. the puck is right there on the tape and he scores i mean he, you know you can't draw it up better than that it, it was uh it worked to perfection yeah that does you know that certainly that certainly builds something with the team i mean i thought the flyers you know for all the frustrations last game and even the other games where they were getting outplayed at least they're showing a little more resiliency. I mean, I, I think resiliency was something that for a while there was, was lacking uh, in the team. And I, I, at least, at least that part has come back. And, you know, that uh, in some, in some ways that that's putting one piece in place, you know, I mean, truthfully, you go, you go game to game and you go day by day and you, you look at the standings and you know that Boston has all those games in hand. You can't worry about any of that. Really, really, you have to, you have to fix your own process first. And it, it got so far off track, went so awry that you really are building a piece by piece. You know, it, it uh, so you, you know, you hope you, you hope your goalie steal you some games, which has happened um, to go into the, to go into this final game against Anaheim, to come back with a win would change the whole complexion of the, of that, of that road trip. And things change quickly, you know, yep. come home, play Pittsburgh, have a good game against them. And all of a sudden, Things things look a lot sunnier than they look coming off of a loss. Yeah, and you have six of eight coming up at home. I did the entire episode yesterday on Flyers Daily Bill about the fact that they can't let one loss, the King game, Kings game, turn into two. Because prior yep. to the ten game winless kid, they hadn't lost back to back games, and they go seven game point streak, five of them wins after the ten game winless kid. But they, I, I think this Anaheim game is as important a regular season game as you will get. And when you consider that it's the last game of a West Coast trip, a trip they traditionally since 2013 have not done well in, yeah. and it's a non-division, non-conference team, I, I can't imagine that I think this game is as important as it is, but I think it is incredibly important for the psyche of this team. Sure. And and two other things. You know, they there there is no we got in at 4 a.m. excuse Nope. There, there is. They have an opportunity to get a practice in too. There's one off day, but then you know, because there's a couple days between games here, they can actually get a practice in, you know, and and then they, they come back on Tuesday. So you should be fairly rested. It's not like you travel any long distances this time, you know. Uh, some sometimes that can be, and we, it happens too with Western teams coming east. Sometimes when you're playing three times in four nights and you're changing time zones and all that, it. it you know, sometimes sometimes those can be pretty tough games. For this game, you've been in this, you, you've been in the time zone. You're not going very far. You have time in between games. It's a game you really need to get. This is this is a game you you know you circle and big, you know big big uh, bold circle and you, you go okay. How does the team play in this game? Because as you said, I mean this is this is a pretty critical game. If you lose this one, then all of a sudden all the good feelings from the the seven game point streak go out the window. Honestly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and then you come back home to an upset building and, and everything that goes along with it. You come back, there could be a little bit of buzz because you're right there in this wild card, despite the games in hand uh, for Boston, as you alluded to before. Uh, Bill, let, let me ask you about the decision that the coaching staff has to make in regards to – Scott Lawton, to me, goes right back in. But Carter Hart, you know, it, you know, when you're on COVID protocol, you're, it's not like you're back at the practice facility working and, you know, honing your craft. Do you go right back to Hart in this situation? I think I do. I yeah. do too. I mean, it, it depends on, you know, I don't, I, I don't know where Carter ever was symptom wise, mm-hmm. you know, whether, uh, you know, because like when, when Morgan Frost first tested positive, he had no symptoms, but then he developed symptoms. So I don't, yeah. I don't know, you know, I don't know what Carter's situation was. Um, there will, there will be an opportunity to, to get some reps beforehand, but I think, I think at a game like this, as long as Carter feels okay, you know, feels ready to go. I think, I think he has to be your starter for the game. Yeah, I do too. Um, I put him in there and say this is as an important a game as we've played this entire season, and you want that crease in that situation. Let me ask you about Keith Yandel because we're getting closer and closer to the Doug Jarvis record, and Yandel has had some pretty dramatic and negative moments. Um, a little lackadaisical on some pucks in the neutral zone on the power play, costing two shorthanded goals uh, of late, and he's made some good plays as well, leading to flyer goals, but he has been erratic. Cam York is with the team right now. Is Cam an option here real soon? And, you know, we just waiting for this record to fall. And then that's kind of when maybe York gets a look. Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I don't see Yandel sitting until the record is broken. I just don't, even though, you know, theoretically, and I would say it's, it's easy if you're not in the coach's chair, what would you do? I would do what's best for the team. Right, I would start whatever the best lineup is because you have everything has a trickle down effect too. You know, if you're if you're the guy who it's your coach's decision to you know to break the streak before he before he sets sets Especially the record. You're this close, so he's so close to it. I I and, and you know I I I mean I don't see him coming out of the lineup yet, but you know there's there is I mean I I don't think Yandel and, and York is the right combination either. No, you know that's so. I, it'd be kind of hard to get Cam in the lineup with with York still in the lineup. Um, you know, could they could they move some other pieces around? Possibly. I don't know. I mean, I did, right right now, I think you want to keep the Sandheim and Ristolainen pair together. Yep. Um, I mean, ideally, when you can, you'd like to move uh, Braun to the third pair, which is really what the intention was coming into the season, anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, you know, I don't I don't know I don't know where you go with it right now. Um. You know, because your first and third pair are both struggling right now. So, you know, the second pair has been solid. I don't think you tinker with the one pair that's working. But, I mean, I have I have real concerns, particularly with the third pairing. You know, yeah. I, whether, whether it's been Sealer, and I think Connaughton had several solid games to begin with, came out of the lineup. You know, he was pretty shaky. He was pretty yeah. shaky in that L.A. game. You know, um, and it's hard. I mean, you're going to have – you know, you – you can only hide a pairing so much, and it's not like they're. It's not the like they're getting, yeah, they're not getting hard matchups. They're not getting a ton of minutes, so it's it's a real concern. It's one of the Flyers' biggest biggest issues because, you know, if you the weakest links always get exposed, and if your first pair is not really carrying the mail for you, um, and it's not that it's not that they've been awful. They've been they've just been up and down within games. You know, I, I, if you go back to the early weeks of the season, I mean, even after Ryan Ellis went down, I thought Provorov continued 
continued on a pretty good run for you know a few weeks beyond that. Um, they really need they really need A games out of program. You can live with the third pairing playing minimally or, or trying to work around them if you know if you have two pairs that are going with just one pair that's really consi- been consistently reliable lately. It's tough, and that, that's that's why it's kind of hard to uh, you know it, it's been a lot of those areas we've talked about, right? Getting up ice, getting breaking out of the zone. Forwards have a responsibility in that too. But uh, the defensemen are not moving the puck very well, and, and, and unless you're doing that, it's very hard to it's very hard to do a lot of the other things that that they're trying to accomplish. So that that to me is, you know, there's a one crying you know, crying need to fix. That's it. Um, Ryan Ellis would help that immensely. We've said that in so many shows. I don't know when Ryan Ellis is coming back, and I don't know if you can rely on Ryan Ellis at least the rest of this season to stay healthy, if, even. When he does get back in the lineup, yeah, it's a big thing. I mean, this—if Yandel's able to get this record, I mean, it, it's unbelievable when you consider how many players have tested positive and gone into protocol. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. really is. I mean, how has he avoided that? Is he must be bubble wrapped or something? Because I mean, th- that may be the most impressive thing or the most astounding thing over the last week. Bill is that when they had all the players and Couturier and and Carter Hart and Scott Lawton go into protocol. They haven't, they haven't added a name. (laughs) And as we know, cases of COVID in this country haven't just risen. They've exploded. And I'm amazed that they haven't added a name. Yeah. It's uh, that they've been, I mean, they were so riddled for a while. And and listen, I mean, other other teams have had it just as bad, if not worse. So it's not, uh, it's not an excuse, but yeah, it's been, it's been kind of amazing. It's been kind of amazing that all in all these years, there was never a puck off the foot that uh, where Yandel couldn't play the next day with yeah. a COVID. I mean, it, it, then it's taken out of the team's hands too. If he tests positive, yeah, he has to. He's he has to go in protocol. Yes, he, he can't. There's no play. decision. So, yeah, the, the decision is made for you. But it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a remarkable thing. And you know, I mean, I, I think that pretty much everyone around the NHL was rooting for him to set there, just because he's such a, a well liked and respected player and a good guy so yeah. you know but again all, i mean when you when you separate it from all that and, and you you look at you know what's best for the team as long as there's a viable alternative i don't know that york is a viable alternative right now i don't know that that uh zamula would be a, a viable alternative right now i do know that once a record is said you have to really think about okay you know to, do you live with the growing pains right do you do you yeah. make that move and see how that goes yeah, and you put yourself in a position. You go, okay, I can I can handle a young player making some mistakes and trying to put him in a, especially a player with a high upside like Cam York. And you go back to how he looked last year, and he was so calm on the ice. He hasn't really found his footing this year. Dealt with the COVID issue himself, and but you know, and and the NHL is a really unforgiving place to try and find your footing as a defenseman. And when you're playing on a third pair, and whether you're paired with Nick Sealer or Kevin Connaughton, that's not exactly putting you in a position to find your footing real easily. No, no. When when it's a, you know, I mean, Justin Braun. Okay, that's different. Right, right, and, right. Right. and that that's where you need. That's again, that's where Ryan else changes so much in terms yep. of being able to slot guys where you need them. And that's, uh, I mean, that's been, you know, coming into the season, there were there were various things that Chuck Fletcher gambled on a little bit, right? Um, gambled on Carter Hart bouncing back. Well, he has bounced back. He's had a strong season. Yeah. Um, he gambled on Martin Jones 
bouncing, returning sufficiently to form where, you know, where he could he could be at least equal, if not an upgrade, on, on what Brian Elliott gave the team a year ago. And I think it's been a substantial upgrade. And I agree. I'm saying that. So yeah. that that's, that's worked out for the yeah. most part. He's been that upgrade, right? Um, you know, so you know, so a couple of those things have worked out, but one of the biggest leaps of faith coming into the season was that uh, needing Ellis to, to be healthy. And this has been a different issue. He's, he's never had the, he never had this particular physical problem before, but you know, the bottom, the bottom line still is that he's missed a lot of time in his career. You, you came in needing him to be available most of the time and you've only had him four games and uh, there still is not a timetable for him to step back in. And it's, you can only work around it so much. It really, really, really hurt the team. Yeah, it has. It's been a huge detriment and the slotting, which we talk about so much. Bill, tonight will be the last uh, Flyers after dark game, super late. Uh, as I look at the schedule here, uh, I don't see any other games. Well, they have a nine o'clock game coming up against Colorado on March 25th, and they got an eight o'clock game. But other than that, we're not going to be up uh, all hours of the morning anymore. And in particular, those two 1030s, man, they are killers on you. Oh, I can't imagine trying to play a game at that time. They're, they're, oh yeah, for sure. They're they're brutal when they stack up too, right? Back to back, yeah. three and four. You know, you try you try to get your rest during the day. It's uh, you know, and then imagine you said imagine playing in those games. So it's yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Your league's one thing to play at that time of night. Playing an NHL game at that time of night is got to be incredibly difficult, especially that three and four because you just never get a chance to get your legs under you. Uh, yeah, to do sure. it and and be and feel right, but uh, the Flyers will return home coming up on Thursday to take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. But they'll wrap up the road trip tonight in Anaheim with a massively important hockey game. Bill, as always, thanks for doing this. Our weekly visit, another good one. As always, uh, read Bill's work on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. That'll put a wrap on this episode. We'll have another brand new one tomorrow. We'll break down the Anaheim game coming up. Uh, we'll preview actually the Anaheim game coming up tomorrow as the Flyers will take on the Ducks Tuesday night. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on a brand new Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow.